What up, brothers? Welcome back to an episode of Throwing Hands. Well, Danny and I are going to be previewing Fight Night, Hermanson versus Vittori. Should have been Hermanson versus Han, but you'll, you can catch Kevin Han in a couple weeks when he fights uh, Jacare Souza. So, but Daniel, how are you doing? I'm doing great. This is a card that I was really excited for before. Not quite as much, but I still think it'll be a really good one. Definitely. Uh, we're just going to uh, uh, graze over a couple of the prelims. Uh, John Volante's back at it. Um, let's just hope he shows up in a little bit better shape because I think he could actually have some potential in this heavyweight division. He has good size on him. Against Jake Collier, um, he's looking good. Jake Collier, nice prospect coming in. What are your thoughts on this matchup? This is an interesting one. Volante is obviously the more notable guy here. Collier, as you said, still sort of an up-and-comer. But like you said, I think Volante moving up to heavyweight again has some potential. We saw him really gas out in that last fight against Maurice Green because he put on weight to move back up to heavyweight, but it wasn't good weight. He looked like he was just going out there with a freaking dad gut, and it just didn't work. And he had control of that fight into the third round and just wasn't able to hold it together because of his conditioning. I think if he's in better shape coming into this fight, we could see John Volante actually make something happen. Not necessarily as a contender towards the top of that division, but somebody that could have an established place at heavyweight. Oh, definitely. I can't agree with you more. And, you know, Jake Collier, he's, he's a solid prospect in my opinion. Um, he's moving up. He was, he's, he's gone up from like light heavyweight, middleweight. He's been, he's, he's jumped around a lot. He had a recent loss against Tom Aspinall, uh, but yeah, th- he's a solid prospect, I think, and we could see him. We could see him come up in the next few, in the next couple years, I think. But let's move to the uh, featured prelim. Um, uh, throwing hands, veteran Justin James going up against Gabriel Benitez. Uh, James had his last fight canceled because he came came down with COVID, but nevertheless, he's back in the octagon. What are you looking to see from him? Uh, Justin Janes, uh, like one of our favorite interviews, I would say, on here. Uh, a really interesting guy, just fun to talk to, an interesting background that got him into fighting as well. Uh, like you said, coming off of a loss, uh, but, you know, we're, we're hoping that the uh, that the throwing hands curse doesn't become a thing as we started out really well with the guys that uh, that have been on the show uh, picking up wins. It's, it's sort of backslid a little bit, starting with Justin Janes, honestly, but – Heavy hands, quick guy, uh, still kind of figuring out what he's all about in the octagon. So uh, I think getting this opportunity, a pretty high-profile prelim coming into this one, I think it's going to be really fun to watch, and I think he has a chance to get back on track. Oh, for sure. I think I think he, he can use his defensive wrestling here really well against Benitez. Uh, and if he wants to go offensive, he can. But uh, he will definitely have to use his defensive one, as Gabriel Benitez is very good at grappling. Let's over to the main card. Uh, Nate Landwehr versus uh, Movsar uh, Evolov. Um, great matchup here. Two young prospects, Evolov, undefeated, both uh, M1 in Russia vets. They're both good. What do you what do you see in this one? Uh, Evolov is kind of the one that jumps off the page, obviously, because he's undefeated. But he's got a really interesting mix of finishes uh, on his record, 13-0, six wins by decision, three by knockout, four by submission. So he's never finished anybody in the UFC. This will be his fourth UFC fight, and he's won them all by decision. 
but he's got a history of having some pretty interesting finishes and some pretty marquee finishes with what he likes to do. He's got three rear naked chokes, four rear naked choke submissions, actually. He's got a knockout with a head kick. He's got some with punches. So his style is definitely striking forward, He's but he does have a master of sports in Greco-Roman wrestling, and he trains with American top team. So Evelov is – uh, has an outstanding pedigree, I should say, and has proven in the past, particularly when he was an M1, uh, that he can finish guys in a variety of ways. And then Landwehr uh, sort of got in the game a little bit later. He's only had 17 professional fights at the age of 32, uh, but that's not held him back at all. Uh, lost to Herbert Burns uh, for his UFC debut. This will be his third fight in the UFC. Was pretty impressive in his win against Darren Elkins uh, back in May is when that would have been. Uh, but like you said, both guys have come up through M1. Both guys uh, have pretty solid track records outside the UFC. They're still trying to establish themselves, land where a little bit more uh, than Evaloa. But I think this is a really interesting fight. I think we're going to see one of these guys really start to emerge as somebody that could be considered uh, a true up-and-comer in this division, not just somebody that they think could have a future as some sort of contender. That was very well put by you, I think. And I think when we get into the keys here, I think it's in uh, Landwehr's best interest to keep this on the feet. He does have great grappling defense. That's one thing that's uh, stuck out to me when I was watching his high, uh, his reels earlier. And with Evaloev's uh, Greco background, he, he does some crazy stuff when he grabs you. So it's, in best, it's Nate's best interest to keep this on the feet, obviously. And if Movsar can get this to the ground, I think this it, where this fight goes is who wins the fight. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, I think it's going to be a matter of, of style mix here. Uh, Evaloev is going to have the advantage on the ground. Like you said, a pretty good defensive grappling coming from Landwehr, but I think Evaloev is going to be able to get this fight to the ground. I think that's where he's going to have the biggest advantage. And like you said, he does some wild stuff once it gets there. So... So, predictions. What do you have to say? I think I'm going to take Evaloev here. I think uh, he is somebody that I'm really excited to see continue on his track through the UFC. I think his his mix of styles is going to be a problem for Landwehr. Uh, it's pretty even in terms of reach. Landwehr is going to have a three-inch leg reach advantage, but for a couple of guys that fight the way they do, that's not a huge a huge advantage for him. Evaloev actually has a half-inch regular reach advantage. So, I don't think Landwehr is going to be able to keep him away. I think uh, I think Evaloev takes him to the ground, and I think he wins it there. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. I think I think his Greco is just too strong for Landwehr, so I think we'll see Mosar get this solid win. All right, to the next bout: Roman Dolidze versus John Allen. John Allen, a shoot to box veteran. He he. If you if you work at shoot a box, work out at shoot a box, you're pretty damn good at what you do. And Roman Delizze, strong dude. Uh, if, I don't know if you've seen his fights, guys, but he has some heavy hands, a great mix of grappling and striking. Striking, I said he's strong. And when we talk about Allen kickboxing, uh, picks and chooses his strikes. This is a good matchup here. What do you have to say about this one? I'm excited for this one because uh, Allen and Delizze are both guys that I'm really excited to see getting back into the octagon. Delizze uh, actually fought back in July, but it's been over a year for John Allen. So I'm excited to see what happens here. I think uh, this is an interesting mix of styles because these are both guys that can throw bombs. Uh, And Allen, like you said, is a little more careful with what he's throwing out there. But 
I think there could be potential fireworks in this fight. I think somebody's going to get knocked out, and I'd expect it to be early. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, someone's getting knocked out. Um, but when we get to the keys here, um, there's not really much. They're both pretty even with their uh, extremities, reach and leg reach, and they both fight kind of similarly. So I'm, inter- I'm interested to see how this turns out. So I'm going to take uh, Roma Delize by straight-up KO. What do you have to say? I am as well. I think, like I said earlier, this is going to end in a knockout. Allen's pretty much a cure, a cure, a pure kickboxer, I should say. And then early in Delizia's career, he had some submission victories, but he's really been more of a striker since he's been in the UFC, which is only one fight to this point. But even going back to his time before that, he was predominantly a striker, predominantly winning fights by KO. And I think he's going to not have a problem doing that against John Allen either. For sure. All right. To the next bout, Montana De La Rosa versus uh, Talia Santos. Uh, two up-and-comers in this flyweight uh, division. Talia Santos uh, coming off a decision winner, first in the UFC. She's a, a Dana White contender series vet out of Brazil. And Montana De La Rosa, three-time All-American wrestler, uh, trains MMA. Her striking has improved over the past few fights. What do you have to say about this matchup? I'm intrigued by this one. I am because, like you said, these are a couple of up-and-comers, a couple of young fighters that are – Still kind of getting their feet wet in the UFC. Montana De La Rosa has been around for a little while, but she's still only 25, uh, having come up through the uh, through the Ultimate Fighter back in 2017. Uh, but she's a submission fighter. That's that's the way that she gets things done. Brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, trains with Team Elevation, started training with them this year. And when, since she's been in the UFC, when she's gotten to a position to submit somebody, she's done it successfully. Uh, of her uh, fights in the UFC – her first three wins were a couple of armbar submissions and a rear naked choke. She's got a unanimous decision win as well to make her four and two in the UFC as a pro at least. And I think what she brings to the table is an interesting mix uh, for what Tyler Santos is going to do uh, because largely what she has done in her career is striking as well. She's got, uh, I believe a single submission win to her record going back to her time in Brazil but coming up through the contender series, decision win, lost in a split decision in her debut, and then had a decision win against Molly McCann as well uh, earlier uh, in 2020. But then you go back in, into her history before uh, coming on to the contender series, you know, TKOs, decision wins, knockout by a head kick, doctor stoppage. These are two great fighters, and they do two very different things. So this is a classic mix of styles. It's a classic one where whoever controls the pace and keeps the fight where they want to keep it is going to win this one. Yeah, definitely. So uh, key, uh, we went over the keys. Ground, De La Rosa, Feet, Santos. Who do you got winning this one? I'm taking Montella De La Rosa in this. I think uh, she's just a little bit more experienced at this point in her career. Uh, Santos has an outstanding record, and she is older. Uh, but I think De La Rosa's experience in the UFC is going to give her the opportunity to win this one by submission. Uh, I'm going to take De La Rosa, but I'm going to take this by decision. So to the co-main event of the evening, uh, Ovin St. Prue, you know, getting back in there for the third time this year against uh, Jamal Hill, a uh, guy coming off the contender series uh, and a decision win, if I'm not mistaken. And then we got OSP coming off uh, what a win when he blasted Menafield into orbit. Uh, Ovin St. Prue, I mean, he's been around a while. He's fought notable guys. Um, he's, he's, he's been a, he's not, he hasn't been a journeyman necessarily, but he's, he's been a solid fighter for his whole career and he's going to look to continue this. What do you have to say about this fight? 
It's hard to place where OSP lands in the UFC hierarchy right now, especially as the light heavyweight division starts to figure itself out because there was a time when the UFC pushed him into title contention and he fought for the light heavyweight championship. Interesting to kind of try to figure out where that is. And then as for Jamal Hill, he's a complete up and comer, only eight, prof this only eight professional fights, I should say, uh, with two of them being wins in the UFC, uh, in addition to that one in the Contender Series. And he's a pretty brutal guy when he does knock people out. He's mostly won his fights by decision, uh, but his last one against Clinton Abreu, uh, he won that with knees to the body, uh, followed up by ground and pound. Uh, he's, his win on the uh, Contender Series was a, a TKO from elbows from a mount against Alexander Popek. Uh, his last fight on the, on the regional circuits was a win by retirement at the end of the first round. Uh, Jamal Hill is pretty brutal when he gets a hold of somebody, uh, but OSP is one of the most wily veterans, one of the most experienced guys out there. This is going to be a huge test for Jamal Hill, and I think it's going to be another one where OSP has a chance to really cement himself in that top 15 uh, because he has still been figuring out what he is in this later stage of his career, and I think he's starting to get back on the right track. I couldn't agree with you more there. What, what you said with Hill, especially if he grabs a hold of you, puts you in a tie clinch or something like that, it's over for you. He's knocking you out or get or uh, TKO and you. I mean, he's he's a very bright prospect, and I'm excited to see what he does. But let's go to the keys here. Um, I think if this gets a little out of hand, OSP can bring it to the ground because he does have eight submission wins to his record, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, eight subs. So. He could do what he needs to do. And when it comes to Hill, if he can keep it on the feet, choose his shots wisely, he'll win this fight. What do you have to say? You took the words right out of my mouth. It's uh, an interesting mix. A uh, guy that's got a ton of experience against a guy that doesn't have very much at all. I'm really excited. All right. Uh, predictions. You know what? I'm going to take Hill on this one. Um, I mean, OSP, he's quite experienced. But I think Hill has a lot of momentum riding for him. And I think we can see him win this fight. What do you think? I think uh, OSP continues to get back on track, uh, picks up another win against another young guy, and uh, really establishes himself in that current top 15. All right. You can't go wrong with that. Anyway, uh, to the main event of the evening, Jack Hermanson versus Marvin Vittori. Vittori coming in against, uh, uh, for, uh, what's his face, Kevin Hahn, a favorite on this Throwing Hands podcast. Going up against the Joker, Jack Hermanson. Jack Hermanson, he's been on fire lately. His last win coming against Kevin Gaslam. Uh, uh, last win by heel hook submission. Great grappler versus a great uh, mix in Marvin Vittori with grappling and striking. What do you have to say about this matchup? Yeah, this is an, an interesting mix because these are two very similar guys in terms of style. They're both guys with power in their hands that are pretty efficient while they do it. Uh, but really like to get things done on the ground. Jack Hermanson has 11 knockouts against six submission wins, uh, but it's really been those submissions that have gotten him by the last couple of years. He's won, he's uh, fought, excuse me, five times uh, since the, since December of 2018. So you go back two years from this month, it's two guillotine chokes, a win by decision and a heel hook, and then a loss to Jared Cannonier. So he's four and one in the last two years 
and four and three of those wins, excuse me, have come by submission. He's really turned to that ground game more as he's become more of a contender in the UFC, and it served him very well. And then Marvin Vittori is still a little bit of an up-and-comer, but he is on a three-fight win streak since he lost a split decision against Israel Adesanya, really one of the only guys we've seen challenge Adesanya, which really is encouraging to me about Marvin Vittori's uh, ceiling. And he's coming off a pretty impressive win against Carl Roberson, uh, back in June with a rear naked choke in the first round. These guys are both hot. They're both coming off of first-round finishes, and I think this is going to be a really exciting fight. And I think it's going to settle some things in this division moving forward. Yeah, for sure. We'll get to the what this settles in a minute, but let's go to Keys here. I think if Marvin Vittori – he's a great grappler, so if it goes to the ground, it's not a threat. It's not too much of a threat. But if Vittori can pick and choose his shots, I think that's in his best interest. But if Jack or Manson can maul him, I think I think that's what – what's good for each of these guys. Uh, what do you have to add? Uh, yeah, it's going to be control of the octagon because Hermanson is uh, such a dominant performer once he controls pace and once he controls the center of the octagon. If Vittori uh, can keep a pretty even pace in this one and not just let Hermanson uh, get right on top of him from the beginning, I think he's going to have a chance here. Uh, he's a pretty big underdog in my mind, but uh, there's a path for him to win, and I think it's keeping this one pretty even when it comes to uh, control and really not letting Hermanson uh, take control of this fight early or back him into a corner, particularly in the first round. Ooh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. All right, predictions. Um, I, I'm going to take Vittorian. Here's why. Jack Hermanson has had his opponent switched up on him two times in the past month, and I think that it's just – the preparation will just be weird for him. And Marvin Vittori and Kevin Holland, uh, Darren Till and Kevin Holland are, are kind of similar. And Kevin, Marvin Vittori is just a completely different fighter than they are. So I think this will mess with Hermanson, and I think Vittori will come away with the win. How about you? Prediction. Uh, so I think I'm going to take Jack Hermanson in a submission here. Uh, he's really, in my mind, starting to emerge as potentially that next guy in that division, and I think he solidifies it in this one. Can't go wrong with that. So to the what? What is it? What is it? Uh, to some news. Um, I haven't. There's been too much lately in the past couple of days. I'll say. Uh, do you have anything? Um, nothing huge. Uh, there's been a couple of suspensions. Uh, Nico Price, six-month suspension after testing positive for marijuana. That also has overturned his fight with uh, Cowboy Cerrone to a no contest. And then Yair Rodriguez has been suspended for six months by USADA uh, for failing to file a location for his random testing. So a couple of guys there that uh, are really interesting to watch, are really fun to watch, that we're not going to get to see for at least six more months. Um, I don't know if you heard this, but uh, Yair Rodriguez has been suspended for six months for missing drug tests. Uh, dang. <laughs> yeah. Um, following th uh, three whereabout failures during a – jeez, he's hitting his prime too. That blows. But – yeah. And then uh, Nick Diaz's manager has said that uh, there's a 99 point – Nine 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 percent chance that he'll return. I don't know how to feel about Nick Diaz returning personally, but it's intriguing to say the least. Um, do you have anything else? 
and on December 19th is going to be headlined by Wonder Boy versus Jeff Neal, which I'm very excited to see. A couple of guys that I love to watch going at it there. Oh, for sure. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for us. There's not too much else, but we have some good stuff coming up Saturday, I think. Uh, we won't, I don't think we should divulge it, but you'll see this interview Monday. I'm quite excited for it. What do you, are you excited for this one? As am I. I'm very fired up for this. All right. Well, that'll do it for us here. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys Monday for a nice interview for you guys.